So when we we would used to say sort of like if Oatly and Honest Company had a baby, that was the hair we flow vision. We were wanting to create um, products, well-branded products that sort of use humor. It was able to engage uh, our, our consumers um, in a way that felt relatable, felt like that that best friend conversation, but served each stage of life that they were in, which is, is something we see that the big corporates, often you don't know that the same company that produces like a cleaning product is the same one that owns your personal care products. But what they're excellent at is at distribution. And so they're at every point. You go to a gas station, you go to a pharmacy, you go to a, a grocer, you're able to to reach their products. And so that was really the vision in terms of retail, but wanting to create a strong brand behind it. I'm Eric Fulweiler, and this is Scratch, bringing you marketing lessons from the leading brands and brains, rewriting the rulebook from scratch for the world of today. Hey everyone, pretty special episode today with Susan Allen Augustine. She is the co-founder of Here We Flow, a personal care brand in the UK and the US that is making, quote, shamelessly natural care for life's messiest moments. So they're one of the fastest growing businesses in the personal care space. They're stocked from Boots in the UK to Target and all the way to Whole Foods in the US. Susan has built her career championing diversity and inclusion at the highest level. She's a committee member on the board of the British Beauty Council as well. She's not only an entrepreneur, but as you'll hear, she also oversees marketing at Here We Flow and is, it says here in the show notes, a marketing genius. And I think that she actually lives up to that. She and the team at Here We Flow have built an incredible, very disruptive, very successful brand in the six years since it launched. They've had a stream of hits. If you had listened to the last episode with uh, Rory from Gymbox, I kind of put them in that same category of they just consistently come up with these brilliant ideas for breakthrough campaigns. We'll list a bunch of them in the show notes. But we talk about how she and the team have been able to create a culture that enables that type of creative thinking. We talk about sustainability and marketing, and she actually has given me my favorite quote to talk about purpose-led brands. You're gonna have to listen to figure out what it is. And then we talk about how they're gonna scale from here. So how to take Here We Flow from a successful challenger to a true rival in the personal care category. I know you're gonna love this episode as much as I did. Without further ado, please enjoy. Hey, Susan, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing, Eric? I'm good. I've been really looking forward to this. I know that we had our prep call a few months ago now, but it's been one that, like Viren said before we press record, you all have been on our guest wish list for a while. So I appreciate you coming on and making the time. It's quite the honor. Really looking forward to this as well. So kicking things off, we have an icebreaker that we ask every guest. What is one challenger brand that you're particularly passionate about right now and why? Um, so I love the brand Ruka. Um, they are a hair extension uh, company, and they specifically focus on the Black um, female community. Uh, they started a few years ago with a really unique model. So you, all their um, early adopters, they called co-creators. They sent out like special boxes in the mail with different samples to get your feedback. And I just thought it was really brilliant the way they built a community uh, around it and they their vision was to become like the Fenty of uh, of hair extensions and they've just gone from strength to strength and they just announced uh, a month ago 
they have uh, their own fund where they're giving four businesses 10,000 pounds to sort of build out their own businesses. I just think it's really brilliant. I'm obsessed with them. Amazing. And so are they like celebrity backed or founded or are they just kind of building on the brand? No. um, One of the founders, I think, was ex like EY or she was working in in finance. Um, And uh, I forget where the other founder was from, but they just um, had a passion for, for hair and started the company. Amazing. Well, I think that's a great segue. Can you tell us about your passion and starting Here We Flow and what you all are up to? Absolutely. So at Here We Flow, we make shamelessly natural care for life's messiest moments. And what that is, is sustainable, um, accessible, adorable, and affordable um, personal care products. We have three product lines. Flow is our period care line, Glow is our sensitive bladder, and EXO is our sexual wellness. And um, we got the idea studying together, my co-founder and I, at the London School of Economics. We were in the bathrooms together, and I was like, hey feeling inspired by classes. Let's start the Feminist Mafia. And she's a crazy hippie from California. So she was like absolutely down to do it. What's our moneymaker going to be? And she couldn't find organic tampons anywhere. And um, after the conversation in the bathroom about wanting to have like a a brand that sort of spoke to us, like we were speaking to each other as best friends, um, that was eco-friendly, good for the planet and should be available everywhere, really wanting to be a mainstream retail product. So we had the business idea. And so she did her master's dissertation on the business case. And um, after a couple of years, we got it going with a Kickstarter. And uh, the rest of the thing is history. Amazing. We actually um, had another personal care, women's care brand on before, based in Ireland called Riley. Do you know that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're great. Um Fiona, who's one of the co-founders, came to one of the dinners that we did in Dublin and we had her on the podcast. I think they're still earlier stage than you all. And granted, this was probably, I don't know, 50 episodes ago. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's a fascinating space because, you know, I'm not a consumer directly, at least not of that segment of your product mix. But, um, you know, I have a wife and three daughters, one who just turned 12 and, you know, it's that stage. and it, it is amazing just how, I, I, you know, the word that came to me is behind, you know, how outdated this category is. And there's a whole political social commentary about why it is the way it is, which is certainly real. But even if you take that out of it, just how dominated it is or was into the last few years when businesses like you and Riley came on the scene and really thought about things. And this is why we call the podcast Scratch. If you were going to start a, you know, feminine hygiene brand, a tampon brand today from scratch, what would it look like? It certainly would not look like most of the brands that you see coming out of the incumbents, the way the products are developed, the way the marketing is done, uh, the way the companies are positioning themselves. So I think it's a really exciting space with a ton of opportunity. So on that, um, so if that's kind of the origin story and you gave the overview, and I do want to come back to how you got to such a sharp, precise description of what you do, because that's often what a lot of businesses we come across have a problem with. But um, where are you at right now in terms of the growth of the business and what does the next fit, like what are you looking at for 2024 if we're recording in early November of 2023 right now? Yeah, so I mean, next year, it's just continuing to grow in retail, both in the UK and the US. What's been missing for us in the UK has been a grocer, and we're 
um, launching with one. I don't think I can announce it yet, but we'll be launching with, with one of the major grocers uh, in February in the UK. And actually, 70% of all period care is bought through grocery specifically. Um, so that that's a massive um, change for the business. And then in the U.S., uh, we're really seeing a lot of pickup on our on XO, our sexual wellness line. So we're rolling out to a thousand CVS pharmacies now, which is the largest pharmacy in the U.S. Um, and um, we're we're meeting with our buyer to to discuss expansion in, in the next year as well. Um, so just we're we're wanting to really focus and and build up the base business. Um, so you just continue to have that great real re, re, sorry rate of sale. Um, and you're able to grow with the, these amazing retail partners we've been able to to capture. And um, I know a lot of the success has come from, of course, the product, but also you all are doing consistently brilliant and breakthrough things on the marketing front. So I want to talk about some of these campaigns that you've done and just what has allowed you to kind of produce, you know, hit after hit. And um I don't know if you'll be the next episode after this one or there'll be one in between. But anyway, uh, I'm sure you know Gymbox, you know, the the gym brand here in the UK. And we had the CMO of Gymbox on. And so that episode is out now, either the previous one or the one before that. And kind of in my mind, I put you and Rory in kind of that same bucket of just like, how do they keep doing it? Um, so I want to I want to come to that and certainly dig in. And I've got a couple ideas based on what you said in our prep call. But just going back to kind of how you introduce the brands and from everything I see on the outside, you all are so sharp and consistent with who you are and what you do. And and it's not like you only do one thing, right? And I'd, I'd be curious to kind of hear a little bit about the product expansion of it as well into different, albeit related and tangential categories, but the shamelessly natural care for life's messiest moments. Easy, simple, straightforward. You get it. There's a little bit of humor in there as well. Was it a excuse the pun, was it a messy process to get there or how did you get to, uh, how did you get to such clarity and definition around your positioning statement, your platform? Yeah. We love a good pun, you know, puns and alliterations. Um, I think that we were really clear sort of, even from that conversation in the bathroom that we had a big vision and it was really about creating a company, um, that, could support our customers uh, uh, throughout their life. So, so when we we would used to say sort of like if Oatly and Honest Company had a baby, that was the hair we flow vision. We we're wanting to create um, products, well branded products that sort of use humor. It was able to engage uh, our, our consumers um, in a way that felt relatable, felt like that that best friend conversation but served each stage of life that they were in, which is, is something we see that the big corporates, often you don't know that the same company that produces like a cleaning product is the same one that owns your personal care products. But what they're excellent at is at distribution. And so they're at every point. You go to a gas station, you go to a pharmacy, you go to a, a grocer, you're able to, to reach their products. And so that was really the vision in terms of retail, but wanting to create a strong brand behind it and of course the the we're do-gooders at heart so wanting to have that sustainable swap for those products that actually make consumer it easy for consumers to um, make better um, decisions as they're consuming uh, and then just to have fun like bring light to a, a, a category where it's like it's no it's not fun 
there there are some of our consumers that are like periods are sacred there's some people who feel like that but there's others who are like my period sucks man i hate it <laughs> um and so just bringing a bit of like fun and, and laughter and light to it um is something we really wanted to do as well and what i'm getting out of that but correct me if i'm wrong i mean i guess two things and one will segue into the next question which is kind of this is who you were and it kind of came together maybe naturally and organically. Um, but the other is that you're not for everybody and you're okay with that. Like you're kind of, this is, this is it. Like we're going to be, we're going to talk about it in a funny way. There's going to be some humor. There's going to be puns and that's fine. Other people, you know, maybe a different brand or a different product will be a better fit for you. And I do think that that's a, um, you know, we do a lot of work in B2C and B2B. And certainly the brands that are kind of at the tip of the spear, I think everybody can learn from regardless of the category. But as my co-founder DuBose says, who leads our brand strategy work, strategy is the art of sacrifice. And really you have to be not for something and not for someone if you are to be truly for someone and something. So that's part of what I picked up out of what you said that I really like. Um, so yeah, the segue into you know who you are so one of the things that you said in our prep call when we were talking about kind of the, you know, the drumbeat of successful kind of ideas that you all have been able to activate is that everything's based on culture and values. And so I'd be curious what that looks like on like a day-to-day, week-to-week basis, or you could even take one of these campaigns. Like how does the culture of who Here We Flow is as a company, how does that produce successful marketing campaigns? Interesting question. Yeah, so I... Um... Like early on, we, I, I had sort of shared that my background was in the DEI space. Um, and so I saw the the challenge in trying to change culture, sort of bend it to your will when it had already existed for decades. And so we were really intentional about setting the foundation in terms of our values, our mission and vision. And so that's why we're able, you know, I'm able to speak to those things so clearly. We, we took the time to, to sort of set it out. And it's something that we did with the whole team. And it's maintaining, even as we grow and we now have sort of like a, C- a director's team and, and, and a C-suite team, um, it's flat in the sense that anyone can call up me or my co-founder, Tara, that's the CEO, and say like, you know, one of our values is kindness is queen. And you didn't behave very kindly on that last call. You know, it's the, it's the, when you have values, everyone is subject to those values. It's not really about position. And so because we have that culture where everyone feels equal in that way, that when we're brainstorming an idea, even if it starts in the marketing team, we still throw it up in the Slack channel and say, do you guys have ideas? So we just recently did a collaboration with Hood Greetings, which they make the um, it's funny catchphrases on like cups and journals and, and screen prints and things. They come from a Caribbean background, so they have a bit of a patois spin on it. And so it literally was like, hey, what if you guys were putting together a greeting card to send to your your best friend who was on your period, what would it say? Like, make it funny. And so we were able to crowdsource ideas in that way from the team and then take it back to the marketing team, fine tune it, and then send it off. Uh, but, you know, as I, I shared, we're a team of, um, during our prep call, we're a team of 14 amazing women, and we span from early 20s, like Gen Z up to our COO is in her 50s. And so you really get that spectrum of um, ideas and experiences and, and what sort of feels right. 
And and so we're able to really crowdsource interesting ideas whenever we're approaching anything that we do. Is there one of your recent or even going back to the collaboration with Netflix and how you came up with kind of the um, the idea for the ice cream tub container packaging? Is there maybe one of those that you could unpack for us and say, here's what it was, here's how it came about, like give us the... If we were making like a mini documentary about how one of these campaigns happened, what would it what would it show us? Uh, so the uh, the ice cream tubs that's like the OG. So that was just me and Tara when we came, <laughs> and that was really an inside joke because despite the fact that she was fully vegan at the time and lactose intolerant, she still craved Ben and Jerry's on her period, and this was before they had their non dairy versions. Uh, so we'd like be on the phone planning stuff for the business, also talking about how hot. Uh, um, we think Ryan Reynolds is. And then she'd be like, oh, hold on. And she's like in Tesco digging through the freezer getting ice cream. Uh, and so when it came time to create the product, obviously we, we launched with a Kickstarter. We didn't have marketing dollars. So I'm like, the product has to be the billboard on shelf. So I'm like, put them in the ice cream tub. And she's like, oh, it's going to look terrible, but I'll take one for the team and finish the pint. And she put the samples we had in there and she's like, actually, this looks amazing. So that's how that was born. That was just the two of us. But again, it was like she didn't think it would work. I did, but we're always willing to just try it and see what happens. And I I think that's the tendency of us as a brand anyway, is always willing to sort of experiment and iterate. Um, But for our um, the No More Period Dramas campaign that we did with the Sky ad, so we had the ad, but when we, it came to the full campaign, we wanted to figure out how to bring period dramas into real life. And so we really leaned on um, my senior brand manager, Laura, and um, Evie, who um, is our digital marketing manager and manages our socials, also um, a sex educator and influencer in her own right, really depending on them to give their uh, like sort of the Gen Z opinion of things. And so they went and found G.K. Barry and Charlie Marlowe and were like, they would be the perfect combination to do street interviews with our tampon microphone. And so I went out and did like the founder one having cool conversations with just random people we found on the street. But literally we're out with Grace and people like, oh my God, it's G.K. Barry. They're like lining up just to come and meet her. Um, and the the two of them together were just, hilarious like they're such a good comedic duo and that's down to like the wisdom of the team right so it's just being open in that way and taking on different people's ideas and and trusting them to to sort of implement their run with it and and it's also one of the other things you said in our prep call is just get started iterate and communicate honestly and I think that's a piece of it. And actually, I'm even thinking about our own stuff because Viren and I had a conversation last week about kind of, um, I guess you could call it like the campaigns that we want to do as rival. And there probably is a more structured way that we could go about it. But also what we're going to do is just start putting a meeting in every month and whoever in the team wants to join to kick around some idea. We're just going to kind of get started and iterate. And yeah, I think communicate honestly as well. But that is a piece of it. Um is just if you give that space and that support to creativity within the organization, it might not always work, but it really does have to start there. Um, you mentioned the Gen Z millennial millennial audience a little bit, or as you called it, uh, the Gen Zedial audience. So um, I think this stat is right. The 64% are 34 years old and younger. 
So obviously every brand in the world, well, almost every brand in the world, uh, certainly CPG brands are trying to reach this younger audience. You all seem to be doing it very successfully. Is there any, are there any secrets you can share and is it truly harder to reach this audience or is that not the right way to think about it? I mean, I think, I think it's, it's hard to do if you don't engage with this audience like in your real life and now suddenly the only reason you want to reach them is to sell them a product. Um, but I think because we are a values-based brand and beyond, you know, we're not here to just sell tampons. We really do want to change the way people feel about these messy mo moments that they have and to remove that that shame and stigma. So we're able to connect on different issues um, just genuinely. They, our humor does match their humor. And I think that on top of, uh, as I said, sort of being able to um, sort of crowdsource the, the opinions and, and, and thoughts uh, of the team is you're getting the views of that full age spectrum as well. And so it resonates with those Gen Zennials, but it also resonates with their moms who are buying for, you know, Gen Alpha that are, are coming up as well. Um, so I think it's it's about authenticity at the end of the day. And I think the Gen Zennials are very good um, at sniffing out things that are inauthentic um, and they will call you on it. They're not shy about it either. Uh, so it can be a hard pill to swallow if you do it and, and do it badly. Yeah, that's the word that came to mind for me as you were talking as well as authenticity, which we talk about a lot as kind of one of the pillars of a successful challenger brand probably just a brand and really for any audience. Um, but as things become more competitive, as people have more options and more purchasing power, like they're not going to settle for a brand that they don't think is authentic. And it is, I mean, even talking to you now or just seeing any of the marketing, like you can tell that you're more just, you're more than just about selling the product. Like you clearly do believe and are trying to accomplish something that's greater than just the things that you're selling. Um, and so, yeah, you know, that comes across and that's ultimately what, what people buy into or want to feel like they're buying into. So, um, on that note, I want to shift gears and talk a little bit about sustainability. So, you know, this is something that we've done a lot of research on. We've done a couple events on, we put about, put out a lot of content and a lot of focus on really trying to understand, call it purpose-led brand sustainability and marketing, um, you know, environmental, social, governmental responsibility, that, that kind of whole bucket. Um, and so sustainability is of course, a big part of the brand and business that you're building and how you want the industry to change, but you're taking a unique approach to this. And I will say that I have used quotes from you in multiple conversations since our prep call. So if your ears were burning, that's why, um, but you really talked about, it was interesting, right? Because I think a lot of people and granted my understanding and perspective on it has evolved over the two years of rival and spending more time with kind of challenger brands that are on the bleeding edge of this. Because I always thought like, well, the playbook for building a successful CPG challenger is you just take a traditional category and make it purpose-led and that, it, you know, and that you're going to grow because that's what people want. But of course, it's more nuanced than that. And your perspective, which I really love, was really around, as I interpreted it, if you go too hard on sustainability, you have the potential to lose people because they'll feel judged. And you said, quote, two things that I really liked. You need to meet people where they are on their sustainability journey. And then you also said that you all, as Here We Flow, are, as a culture, dark green on the inside and light green on the outside, but still focused on, quote, green innovating. 
So can you unpack that for us? Like when it comes to sustainability and purpose um, and the environment specifically, because I think that's where sustainability or you let me know if I'm wrong, seems to focus for you. What does that look like and how have you approached it? Yeah, so I think when we started, like we're a tiny brand. You just have to be realistic. We're not going to force, and especially for these products, there's only four or five um, sort of manufacturers in the world that make them. There's nothing that we can do to force them to change their behavior when they're producing for Lillette's and all these other corporate brands. Um but if you take time, build the relationship, make the best product that you can, and are just honest about that, communicate about that honestly, then you're able to take your customers on the journey with you. And when we sign bigger retailers, then that gets the interest of, um, of our, our, our suppliers, and they're willing to make changes. So a lot of our both corporate and bigger challenger brand competitors in the States have their goods produced in the same places that we do, um, but we have the relationship with our suppliers. They use the materials we ask them to use. And so now we have our tampon manufacturer experimenting with regenerative cotton um, because we want to get to the point where it's not just carbon offsetting, but actually creating insects within the process. Um, and that's that's all well and good for us because it's something that we're passionate about. It is part of our mission as, as the organization. But we recognize that when a consumer is making a choice, especially in these categories, they literally have a three-second dwell time. So putting the tampons in the ice cream tub was trying to stretch that to five or ten seconds. And so you, the first instance is you need to have a product that looks good and looks interesting. And then they take it home and they try it. And it needs to work. Like if it doesn't work, it doesn't matter if your product is incredibly sustainable. You'll sell just that one and no one will ever hear from you again. And and so you really have to keep that balance of efficacy um, and sustainability and that we've always walked that line and been really honest about the way that we've had to walk that line. Um, and but and if you don't do it well, then you never get to the point where you can grow and continue to reach that green innovation. So that that's sort of how we view it. And then just general, when we, we came into the category, when we had the idea, um, there were a couple of sort of like, let me say the OG brands that pioneered like organic um, period care, uh, but they weren't able to speak authentically to, to the audience, um, to the Gen Zennial. Um, and it also, it has that very like cardboard look at, you know, when you look at something and it's like, oh yeah, that's like recycled paper. Like it's all cardboard and green. Um, and you know, it's, it's not necessarily appealing to that audience. If you want to move the masses, you do really need to meet them where they are and make it very easy for them to make that choice. And so that was the idea of creating a sustainable swap. It looks more interesting than what I usually buy. It works just as well or better. Uh, and then, then you can learn more if you want to about how much better it is for the planet. Um, but we were fine if people just think it looks cool and use the product because it works well, because you're still getting that impact, that sustainability impact. It's really not an ego thing. Um, whereas if you come and you're so hard in the paint and it's like, oh, you're not really ego. People are put off by, I've seen it in the comment section when you're off like, 
people that are really, really pro menstrual cup, for instance, and they come in and they're like, don't use these. Everyone should use a menstrual cup. And it's like, not everyone can. It's not comfortable. Everyone's cervix is in shape the same. And you need to leave room for people to be as sustainable as they can be without telling them they're a bad person. I just, I really like the uh, basketball references. I don't get many of those over here. So I appreciate it. Um, it's interesting. I saw, so we, we have the CMO of Who Gives a Crap, another one of our wish list brands coming on the podcast pretty soon. And I actually saw their above the line, above the line advertising that just started to run in the UK. And it is, I forget the stat, but it, you know, it's an ad on the tube and it says, you know, 20% cheaper than the traditional brand and made from recycled paper, whatever, whatever the actual thing is. But the point for me was they lead with the economic, the price RTB, and then follow up with the environmental and sustainable one. And, you know, there's a huge debate about, you know, don't you, it would be great if the world wasn't that way and that people really did choose to buy based on what was better for the planet and people overall and all that. But that's just not the reality of where we are right now. And so I think how you said it of you need to meet people where they are on their sustainability journey or a step ahead, but not a hundred steps ahead. I think that's probably right. Um, you know, with the research that we've done, one of the ways that Dubo sums it up, taking a slightly different angle on it, is that um, purpose or sustainability is a value multiplier, not a value creator. So there needs to be a good product at the right price that is also purpose-led it can't be in place of the right product or the right price that's such a good way of framing it absolutely so as we look ahead how do you go from here we talk about this term that we're really trying to get some traction with of there are challenger brands which say they're trying to disrupt the category and then there are rival brands that successfully disrupt the category we like our puns too um so you know, for here we flow going from a challenger that clearly has some traction, making waves, you know, lots of progress and growth to how do you become kind of the new incumbent, the new standard within the industry? I guess, what does that look like? You know, a couple of the things that I had down here to talk about was the expansion into retail. So kind of, you know, e-commerce to offline retail, clearly that's going well for you all. Um, and within that also kind of the above the line advertising that you're going where do you want to take that? Like, what does, if we talk not just about the next 12 months, but maybe the next three to five years of this growth to being a true at scale established leading CPG brand, what are the important things on the roadmap there? So um, in the UK, I would say we're probably already the leading challenger brand in the period care space. So it's now we're getting into uh, the grocers and we just want to smash that out of the park and then be in all the grocers like we want when people think of period care sustainable period care in the UK we want them to think of flow um, so that's really the goal for here it's really brand leadership and then for the US I mean it's so interesting because it's such a massive territory you can be a brand doing 60 million and the average person won't know what your brand is um, but I think so our goals are really around being the Gen Zennials favorite challenger brand. Um, and that looks like doing a lot in store. That's always where we're, we've been able to win. And because we don't have massive marketing budgets, really sort of winning in store, doing interesting collaborations, 
and connecting that with retailers is is something that we really want to do. And then really just leaning into to social media and just as to like using our personality um, and engaging with those audiences. There's so much to do. There's so many um, bad puns to be made. And, and we just want to make them all. Rap videos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. I was expecting kind of like a 10 or 15 second whatever. Like, Oh my gosh, no. My, my co-founder was like, I really thought this was going to be cringe, but it's actually good. <laughs> I like you, man. All right. We'll definitely include a link, a link to that um, in the show notes. Um, I was just going to say, so to my point about above the line, I'd be curious. I know with some of the recent campaigns, like the British are coming, CVS tie up in the U.S. or, you know, expansion in the U.S., you've gone above the line. Um, do you know the brand Sons here in the U.K.? So they're like, yeah. So we actually, um, so Will, who's one of the founders that we've known for a long time, he came to one of these uh, dinners that we did, CMO dinners, and it was actually really interesting hearing about how he's approaching above the line as a their earlier stage than you, but they don't really have a lot of budget. And yet there's a lot of kind of equity that comes with showing up on TV or out of home. And that actually led us to eventually do all this research on this term that we call the puffer fish challenger, which is how these startup brands are able to make them seem bigger, make themselves seem bigger than they are given how and where they show up in the world. So I did just want to double click on that. Like, is that how are you thinking about the? I know you just said doubling down on social, but clearly above the line is factoring into your strategy as well. How do you think about that? So I think we think about above the line, and and I often have to <laughs> battle my co-founder uh, because now that she's uh, in in charge of sales and commercial, and I'm on marketing, we're often battling for budget now, but it's it's fun. Um, I just like to create moments, right? So it felt right with with the British are coming because it was around the July 4th weekend. Obviously, I'm from Boston. CVS is based in New England. It just felt like a no-brainer. Do do a quick campaign, and then you snap a photo of it, and you blow it up on socials. Um, but it's it's to, to do, and it's also just to do things. I like creating examples to point to who we are as a brand and how we do things that other people wouldn't wouldn't do or wouldn't be willing to do. Uh, and that really helps when we even go in to speak to our retailers because they will, they often ask, like, how are you different from the other, you know, six or seven brands that are out here? And we can be like, how many of them are showing up <laughs> dressed in period dress or sticking an eggplant uh, next to Paul Revere's head, you know? But it's what it's what we're willing to do. And really, it's just a delight for me. I'm chief. Yeah, I'm really, yeah, chief crazy ideas officer should be my true title. Uh, and then my team just reels me in. It's just happened fun. It, it is interesting because we talk a lot about like point of difference, differentiation, standing out when it comes to marketing to your buyers, or I guess these are both buyers for you, but let's say the end consumer, whoever is the person who's actually purchasing your product or service. But actually having those headlines, those specific things that you can point to that really shows how you're different, it's not just saying that you're different, is really valuable to either buyers and retailers, if you're a CPG or looking to go retail, brands uh, or investors or employees. So that kind of, you know, bounced around inside my head when you said it of like, yeah, you know, creating those moments, they matter and they stand out when it comes to consumers, but also their headlines that you can point to 
that kind of prove why you're different and why you should appeal to a different uh, segment or audience as well. I'm just curious, have you looked at or have you considered doing any fake out of home? You mentioned that you buy the billboard and then you blow it up on social. Is this something that's potentially on the table for flow? Yeah, because I think it's something that's more common in the UK than it is in the US. Yeah. Well, maybe that's an opportunity. For sure. That's my my co-founder loves that even more. That's free. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. All right, Susan, are you up for a quick lightning round before I let you go? Yeah. Great. What was the first marketing job you ever had? The first marketing job, um, me and my little sister had, her name's Mabel. We had the S&M Snack Shack. Uh, my mom bought us like big boxes of candy from BJ's, but we ate all the candy the second day. And so that was the end of that. But technically I would have been in charge of marketing for that. Nice. All right. Well, I'm sure it was a lesson learned. What? <laughs> Don't get high on your own supply, Eric. What can I say? I was going to say it. What's the best piece of career advice you've received? Uh, best piece of career advice? I think just just do it. I think I can be an overthinker and I can and I'm a planner and you can plan and plan and plan forever and you just gotta like try and figure it out. And um that has served me well in this business and in life in general. What's the best brand campaign you've seen recently? All that's coming to mind is all the Barbie campaign. I, I like in general and like the Meg and sort of like yeah, from a macro sense. They smash that because everything from like proper corn through to like um, Coca-Cola, everything was pink for like four months straight. Um, yeah. Did a proper takeover. What is one marketing tool that you can't live without? Canva. Like everything's in Canva for us. Take me here. What's one thing people should do differently after listening to this episode? Um... What is one thing they should do differently? I would say, I'm always going to preach this, is like actually spend time thinking about your culture. Like being able to fine tune. It's almost like if you were to create, create a press release or talking points for your brand, you should be able to speak that clearly at any time. So invest the time to, to get that clarity and it will pay dividends. Could not agree more. Susan? Thank you so much for making the time. This was very entertaining, educational, enjoyable. Everything that I hoped it would be. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks so much, Eric. Awesome. Take care. Scratch is a production of Rival. We are a marketing innovation consultancy that helps businesses develop strategies and capabilities to grow faster. If you want to learn more about us, check out wearerival.com. If you want to connect with me, email me at eric at wearerival.com or find me on LinkedIn. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe, share with anyone you think might enjoy it, and please do leave us a review. Thanks for listening and see you next week.